the key to understanding this psalm is that they are God's enemies. That they have sinned against God before they ever sinned against us. To have an understanding of how to see our sin and to see our anger biblically, we must first see the proper delineation of who has been harmed, who has been affected, who has been most offended. It's God. So he's praying that God and his witness and his testimony would be known to the people. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we are looking at Psalm 83, this imprecatory prayer that helps us understand the severity of sin. As we pray for judgment, we also have to consider who is most offended when we sin. That's the message today as we continue in this Summer Psalm series. But first, we're joined by Mark Jones, who's written a book called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine to the Eyes of the Puritans. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Over the course of this year, we've committed to help you understand various important doctrines of the faith. We've been looking at Paul David Tripp's book that teaches these 12 distinct doctrines, and this month, we're going to be focusing in on the theme of sin. We're joined by Mark Jones, who was with us earlier this year to help us understand theology proper in his great book called God Is, but this month, we're going to be looking at his book called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. It's not really a book that we often cover or a topic, as it says in Neglected Doctrine, that we don't cover nearly enough. But Mark, this is a subject that we all struggle with. And you talk about how we need to know our, our enemy, because if you don't know our enemy, we will fall prey to them every single time. So explain to us how your book is structured so it can help us understand how to look at ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves as we struggle with sin. There's a few things I think in the book you'll, you'll hopefully be... Uh, illuminated by in terms of like uh, the idea that the seed of every sin is in our heart because we have a sinful nature um, in terms of the natural man. So there's no sin that we can't commit left to ourselves with the right context and so on. Uh, that helps us. The other thing that helps us is, is not just um, that idea, but also recognizing that the greatest sin against me by any human being is still less than my smallest sin against God. And God forgives me. And, you know, that's something the Puritans taught me uh, how to understand sin. So if, if you keep that in mind, your smallest sin against God is more evil than the greatest sin against you, you should be able to forgive people because God forgives us. Uh, D.A. Carson talks about that quite a bit, yeah, the the issue of that uh, God is always the most offended party. And I'm, sh I'm sure he's probably quoting somebody else, maybe even a Puritan, yeah. when yeah. he says that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. that is really the case, and that's one of those areas that we have not adequately understood sin. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good, good point. I'm sure he was, yeah, I'm sure it's been said many times before, but definitely the Puritan said it, I know that. Well, I think uh, David was one of them who said it in, in yeah. Psalm 51. He might have, yeah, yeah, he might be the original, original source. Mm. But that's ultimately the true case, and that has to be, you know, really dealt with in our own lives. I think that's the idea in, in Matthew 7, uh, dealing with that beam in our own eye, realizing how much we've offended God. Uh, that makes things very different in how we see our neighbor, and it also helps us to help them. If we really care about our neighbor and we want them to stop sinning, we it it's we have to first look inwardly. Yeah. 
yeah and sin sin is miserable it doesn't it doesn't help you it it harms you it, mm. it and so uh to the degree that we're able to help people in terms of their sin through the gospel we're really helping people and you know for all the for all the talk of how we can love our neighbor there's no greater love you can show to your neighbor than giving them the gospel as a solution to not just their eternal life but even their life on earth as being free from the consequences of sin which are real for for, for everyone yeah isn't that jesus uh, teaching in in matthew 18 right that, that we as a church are to be called a, a this called out community to actually help people to to not sin and to to not tie millstones around people's necks and and, and encourage sin and you know th- i mean throughout the epistles how much sin was a problem in the church that wasn't being dealt with in the church in corinth uh now those were all different times we don't have any of those problems today do we no yeah yeah well as as i think i say in the book as well that you know the more the the, the more things change the more they stay the same and there's nothing new under the sun and so on and so forth that's the one great weapon we have as christians is we have a message that is actually relevant to all people at all times all ages all socioeconomic classes like there's nothing that you can there's no one you can go to this world and say yeah i don't know what i could say to you um that's the glory of the gospel based upon universal sin now you talk about um you know things that we probably don't consider much when we're addressing sin you talk about the deceitful ways of the devil and sins of omission um uh, different than sins of commission we have to have a little more of a broader understanding of sin than just the kind of cookie cutter way that we've approached it in the past don't we yeah yeah i think uh omission is 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 good it comes from the idea of privation which is sin is uh, in terms of privation it's not just the you know inordinate lusts of the flesh and the 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 way in which we hate god but it's also the lack of a positive quality of righteousness and so that's why you'll find paul in like a place such as ephesians 4 we'll just talk about like what you put off is the sin but then you've got to put on something in place of that and that's righteousness and so the person who steals is to no longer steal but work so they may have something to share with those in need so christian ethics is never just negative it's never just your sins are forgiven there's a positive righteousness or you you mustn't do this but you should do something in place of that it's there's no neutral ground so that's something i think we need to do a better job of in preaching and our christian living We've been talking with Mark Jones about his excellent book called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. This book is so great, we want to make it available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. Find out how you can get a copy by writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508 362 Seven zero seven zero. Well, today, continuing in the same vein, talking about sin, we're also going to be looking at our summer psalm series, Psalm 83, which is an imprecatory prayer. How do we pray for judgment upon the wicked, the enemies of God? Now, I've looked all over the internet to find a good, a decent sermon on this 
this particular psalm, Psalm 83, and I couldn't find any. So I had to preach it myself. So in this message, I'll share with you our own study on Psalm 83 and what it teaches us about how we see our sin, how we understand anger, and how we respond to it in a biblical manner. Here's my sermon on Psalm 83. How are you today when it comes to relating to anger? Do you feel like you have good control over your anger? Is there ever any collateral damage to your anger? We have a very difficult relationship with anger. It's a negative emotion, and we have a hard time relating to it, even when we see it in the Word of God. Maybe you struggle whenever you hear about the anger of God. The Psalms have been written for us as a way to give us some insight into our emotions. But what do we do when we come to Psalm 83. Psalm 83 is called an imprecatory psalm. To implicate is to tattle on somebody. But to imprecate is to take it a little bit further. To not only tattle on somebody, but then to ask specifically for the judgment that you think is fitting for the crime. The Psalms are not simply a way of giving us expressions to the emotions that we already feel. The Psalms are actually there to instruct our feelings, to tell us how we ought to feel, to invite us into feeling the emotions that God feels, so that our every part of who we are might be conformed into the image of Christ. And I don't think that there's a better way to do that than to look at the imprecatory psalms, because these are psalms that we have a very hard time conforming to. It says, O oh God, do not keep silent. Do not hold your peace or be still. These three words, silence, peace, and still, are all kind of variations of a similar theme. Uh, this is the idea of indifference, and the psalmist is arguing, or at least suggesting, that it seems that God is indifferent to their struggle. Whenever it feels like God is far away, God is not the one who has moved away from you. It's us who have moved away from God. That's what the psalmist is experiencing. As the next verses, verses 2 through 8, describe this ten-nation army surrounding Israel, ready to attack, as it says in verse 4, it says, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation, let the name of Israel be remembered no more. When Israel was called and commissioned to come into the land, God told them that to, to drive out all of the people. And they had some initial victories at the very start. They were doing really great when they got to the wall of Jericho. They had a little hiccup at Ai, but then they moved on and they had victory after victory. But after a while, they grew weary in fighting. And so they decided to cohabitate with the tribes already in Canaan. This cohabitation had led to, to a mixing of their religions and intermarriage, and all of a sudden the people had become lost in their relationship with God. And that is what led them to the predicament. They were surrounded now by ten nations. These were the people who were trying to fight against God. And the thing that we must remember in this is that as the, as the psalmist is writing, he's describing them not as our enemies. The key to understanding this psalm is that they are God's enemies. That they have sinned against God before they ever sinned against us. To have an understanding of how to see our sin and to see our anger biblically, 
we must first see the proper delineation of who has been harmed, who has been affected, who has been most offended. It's God. So he's praying that God and his witness and his testimony would be known to the people. Verse 13, Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes, consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze. So may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Are these really something that we can pray? And if so, how can we pray these words? Well, Jesus actually teaches us how to pray imprecatory prayers. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, he teaches us how to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he goes on to offer a little bit of commentary specifically on that one line because it's really important that we don't just pass over it. He says, because if you don't forgive your enemies their trespasses, your heavenly Father won't forgive you your trespasses. Okay, then how can we read these words of judgment and imprecate our enemies if by doing so we're only going to bring judgment on ourselves? Well, Jesus goes on in chapter 7, Judge not, lest ye be judged. First, he says, take the beam out of your own eye. Why? Because then you'll see clearly how to help your neighbor with the speck in their eye. What Jesus is doing is teaching us that this first applies to you and to me. We should pray the same way against our own sins because the problem, the reason we still struggle with sin in our life is because we don't take it seriously enough. Brother and sister, let me explain this to you. We cannot be glib about our sin. You must understand the weight of it. Israel serves as one of the greatest metaphors to not dealing with sin. They kept falling and their hearts were constantly being pulled away from God. It's a reminder to us that sin must be dealt with and it must be dealt with effectively. It says, so, that, so you may pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. There's a reason for this, that God brings shame when we sin. Because shame brings us to a place of brokenness. The psalmist is not simply praying for the destruction of people. He's praying that they would understand the holiness of who God is. That they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. This is what should motivate us. This is what should instruct us. This imprecatory prayer should actually transform us. By picking and choosing the verses that we want out of the Bible, we create a theology that does not give us a calling to go and transform the world in which we're living. What would give us conviction that there is something wrong that needs to be fixed? If for no other reason, we ought to be proclaiming our faith because God is worthy. So when we see the wickedness around us, it should break our hearts. Christ died for those sins. God is not the one who is remaining silent. We are the ones who are remaining silent. We have become indifferent to the world. And we need the imprecatory psalms 
to teach us once again to be furious, furious with what is happening in God's creation, and to teach us to be introspective, a reminder that this must first be applied to us. But I can tell you that the sins of the world don't bother us nearly as much as they bother God. We only care about the sins of the world when they affect us personally. But it's not about how they affect us. It's how they affect God and how that effect was laid on Christ, who is the propitiation of all of our sins. So maybe in your past you've read through the imprecatory psalms and maybe you've said, I'll leave that for next year. Don't cut them out of your Bible. Don't skip over them. Press into them and learn the true fever and, and fury of God towards sin so that you can truly be angry and sin not. If you'd like to read more information about the imprecatory psalms and why we should spend more time with them and relate to them as we understand how, it, how sin angers God and we ought to be praying in that line of thinking, I've actually written an article on this subject that we've posted on our website at songtime.com. We publish articles every month uh, through our ministry, uh, uh, Worthy of the Gospel, our free publication. You can sign up for that online as well as by giving us a call, 508 360 The subject of sin is one that we don't cover enough, and if we don't look at it and honestly deal with the dark passages of Scripture, then we're going to be left without an understanding of how God understands sin and how we ought to feel about it as well. The Psalms instruct us on how to feel, and therefore we ought to take sin seriously. That's why we want to make available to you Mark Jones' book, Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. It's a book that's written for you with you in mind. It's written for me as well as we seek to explore the seriousness of sin and address it with biblical precision. If you want to get a copy of this book, it's one that you probably would not have read had it not been recommended to you. But I'm recommending it right now because it is a necessary study for every believer. You can get a copy as a thank you for your support of the ministry, a donation of any amount. When you write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Psalm 85, 4, and 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation.